The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today we have a very special guest and a good friend of mine, Dr. Ray Blanchard. Ray is a wonderfully seasoned entrepreneur. He leads incredible seminars and consults to corporations around the world. He's even a media producer, and we'll talk a bit about some of the uh, motivational DVDs and the movies he's created, Um, one of the most notable being The Answer to Absolutely Everything. So, Ray, welcome to Leading Conversations. Great. I'm glad to be here and glad to speak to all of you. It is so good to have you here. So where are you today? Today, I've just arrived in San Antonio, Texas from Mexico City. Oh, so San Antonio is your home most of the time, right? I would say it's my home maybe four days, uh, five days out of the month. Oh, well, (laughs) hey, you know, (laughs) you're a citizen of the world, and so having one place that you can at least say that you're home for a few days a month is is definitely important. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the the holiday season where I get to be home for about a month, so it'll be great. That'll be great, absolutely. So, Ray, uh, you know, the work that you have done over the years has inspired so many people, and you certainly are um, one of the really most influential people in the human potential movement these days. Um, Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what got you interested in this work? You know, way back when, when you had a lot of choices about what to do in life, there was something about this that attracted you. What was it? Well, you know, I think if I were to put it in uh, condensed form, I happened to get engaged with a group of conscious leaders in the late 70s at Esalen Institute in uh, Big Sur, California. And during uh, that uh, period at Esalen, I got back in touch with my deeper purpose, the the calling that I remembered when I was very young at seven years old and had forgotten. And I happened to get back in touch with my personal reason for uh, living, my personal reason for contributing. And it really inspired me and touched me so deeply that I felt that I could do no other from that point forward. And I began to change all of my uh, plans and all of my education and everything that I was doing at that time to 
uh, forward myself in making the greatest difference that I could make and being the, the person that I thought I was really meant to be. And it happens to have turned out to be training and development and working with people at leading their companies and leading their lives as successful as possible according to their own purpose and their own vision. Well, what stage of life were you in? Because, you know, when people get that clear about where to head um, and are that committed, it often, you know, it doesn't typically happen at a really young age. What stage of life were you in? When I first got in touch with that, I would say that I was going through training to be a teacher at a very early age and going through religious training at a very early age. And I had what I would call a an enlightenment experience at the time, but I didn't know what to call it. I had no name for it. In fact, I didn't tell anybody about it. Oh. I kind of kept it to myself because I thought it was going to be looked at as different uh, or uh, unusual, uh, uh, non-traditional. So I didn't uh, tell anyone about it, but I always remembered it. And occasionally I would revisit that thought and revisit the uh, the feeling and the and the and the thoughts that I had about what I was uh, experiencing as I got a little bit older. I began to question whether I should follow that. And it really brought me up against some of the education that I was being uh, taught in my school, which is science. And I began to get into this conflict about uh, this deep, what I'm going to call now, religious experience and science. And I didn't know which way to go. So that was a very controversial period of my life uh, in my late teens. And uh, I guess in my mid-20s is when I began to uh, get back in touch with that and feel validated for it and began to see that it was okay to follow it. So, you know, that takes courage at a young age to really follow what that truth is. And and for many people, they, they don't even, they're not even able to get in touch with that truth. So that, that's a real gift that you had. And as a result, you've become a real gift to the world, and, you know, you do a lot of um, work consulting on leadership and working with um, helping people to be their best and learn how to engage in the world in a very high way. Talk a little bit about um, this concept you have about heroic leadership. What is heroic leadership? Heroic leadership is having the courage to follow your calling, having the courage to really make it okay that you've been touched or moved or that you're deeply inspired by something. And to begin to follow that and to design around that 
a way to make a difference in people's lives. So a hero uh, really don't realize that they're a hero. They're really ordinary people who happen to be moved by something deeply. And they're willing to have the courage and the, and the uh, risks to follow that and make that uh, affect other people in a powerful way so that their society, their community uh, thrives out of, as a result of that. So heroic leadership is really empowering other people and organizations to thrive and do what they were really meant to do and taking the courage to lead from within. So when you talk to leaders in organizations, whether they're multinational corporations in various places in the world or smaller organizations around the world, when you speak with leaders about this concept, what kind of reaction do you get? (laughs) What a great question. Uh, Initially, I think most people who come from a traditional concept of leadership have questions they're skeptical skeptical and yet they're intrigued by it because it really does resonate with them at some level. They just haven't made sense of it. And when I can begin to talk to them in such a way that it makes sense to them to really lead from inspiration then they are intrigued enough to want to find out more about it. And once they begin to find uh, that it really does make sense and it really does translate into outer world results, they are then uh, inspired by it because the outer world results really do uh, accelerate faster and with greater ease for them when they are being in alignment with what's truly natural for them inside, that when they are struggling with external uh, controls and data to try to lead from authority, it just doesn't work. And I think many leaders nowadays are beginning to realize that we're operating in an inherited definition of leadership that oftentimes carries with it the assumption that... uh, that they have to be in control and they have to have authority. But it's a model that doesn't work for us as much anymore. The superiority model and the inferiority model and control and authority doesn't work for us anymore. So I think most leaders are beginning to realize that we're in a new age now. We're in a, a new world where people think for themselves more. They're more creative and they're much more on their own. And they really do need someone to be aligned with so that they can continue to to live what moves them. So I think we're in a new age. We're not working with as many people as, as obedient as they used to be traditionally. You've got a lot more creative people, and I think that's the, that's the key. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I when I think about... Um, the generation of leaders who has used that superiority model and that generation of leaders is retiring, going away, um, and the newer generation of leaders is, is evolving, um, it, it makes me wonder 
um, you know, how they are going to grow into their own leadership. You know, I think that the unit, the the generation of leaders who has used that superiority model and then has attempted to evolve more into a collaborative model is, um, is you know, has had some success and <clears throat> has had um, challenges. And so what would you say to leaders who... Um, you know, are are evolving. The new generation are evolving. How are they going to become really great leaders if they haven't had really great role models? That's great because I think most leaders learn to be leaders from the leaders who led them. Traditionally, that that model you talked about, the authority model versus this more collaborative model, so they really do need to be in the environment of mentors, of people who can uh, walk them through it and, and they can learn it as they go. Uh, I'm going to call this new model the, uh, a model of leading together mm-hmm. rather than leading uh, from the front or leading from behind. I'm going to call it leading together. And that means that you need to uh, not only speak from what really matters to you and lead from what matters to you and what moves you, but it needs to match up to what matters to the people that you're attempting to lead. So the collaborative leadership needs to learn how to speak into the listening, so to speak, of the people that they're going to be leading. And I think that doesn't happen in isolation. You need to do that with someone, uh, together with someone who is a role model of that and who really knows the dynamics and knows the, the elements of how to bring that out and how to bring that alive in action where it actually does get results because that does take some practice and uh-huh. you need to have some practices in that. Well, and, and it would seem to me that, you know, that whole concept of having the right people on the bus, it would seem to me that that would be important. <laughs> that would be really important in this, right? That's right. You'd have to, you know, one of the things that I, I really have uh, been uh, working with people about is the people that they hire around them and the people that they uh, collect around them for executing their dreams and visions. And I think most people have gotten in traditional uh, uh, leadership training to try to pitch what they have to offer to people who need what they want. I think that's a a standard kind of thinking, and it's a good thinking in a way, but I think that uh, nowadays, you've got to start pitching to people who believe in what you believe. And that's what they're going to be in alignment with you. Uh, if they're working with you, they're not hard to manage because they're already in alignment with what you believe. So you can start to identify uh, people who believe what you believe, but you, first of all, have to make it known what you truly believe in, in your cause. Right. 
And so it wouldn't just be a cause. It could be a company like, oh, you know, pick a Google or a Facebook. Um, and, you know, many people want to be part of that because they want to be on the, um, <clears throat> they want to ride the, the coattails, right? There are other people who want to be part of those companies because they really are passionate and believe that something bigger is at work here, right, in terms of changing the world, right? Yes, I think uh, if you check with the modern-day entrepreneur, the modern-day up-and-coming leader, I think they want to be on the cutting edge, on the leading edge of what's happening today. Uh, there are not many people who are going to be leaders and entrepreneurs who are looking to be a replication of tradition. They want to be on the cutting edge of something. And I think whether it's a cause of saving the world or whether it's inventing the new widget or the new uh, technology in uh, Internet or uh, aerospace, I think the cutting-edge uh, thinker, the new age leader, wants to be uh, aligned with people who are believing in something that they believe in. And as, as you say, uh, be on the bus with the right kind of people. And once you're on that uh, bus with the right people, so to speak, uh, people are going to be more voluntary leaders, self-starters, and you don't have to force them as much as you might have to guide them and uh, steer it a bit. But you don't have to force to say the horse out of the barn. You let the horse out of the barn, and then you steer it, so to speak. It's a lot <laughs> easier, and it's a lot more powerful. That makes a lot of sense. Well, we have more to talk about with Ray Blanchard when we come right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Well, welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito with our guest, Ray Blanchard, today. So, Ray, let's talk about how people actually find what they're passionate about. You know, I hear this a lot. You know, if people just find what they're passionate a lot, then everything will be fine, everything will fall into place. And what I hear from people is, 
Well, if I actually knew what that was, I would go do it. You ever heard that? You ever heard that? I heard that, yeah. <laughs> well, you well, have already done it. <laughs> right. You know, and so how do you help them get there? What What do they need to do? You know, the first thing to recognize is that you can't do it alone. That's why I call my work leading together. You can't do it alone. And I grew up, as many people grew up, thinking that I had to do it alone. If I was going to be a real man or if you're going to be a real woman, you got to discover it yourself and do it yourself. And that was uh, recognized as heroic. But I think today uh, the world is a... Uh, evolving place. Uh, reality is no longer the fixed reality that we all grew uh, up in, in, and it's uh, a lot more challenging. And uh, I wish I could tell people uh, just make a choice and do it <laughs> or find your passion and do it. Uh, uh, but it's not quite that easy. Uh, but I think the process is easy in a training setting. Uh, I, what I do is I bring people into a, a, a forum, a training setting where people can talk and collaborate. And I create an environment in which people can become authentic, where people can speak openly without fearing being judged or fearing being uh, isolated or uh, condemned. And I think it's important to have a have an environment or a context in which people can open up and can and, and talk. And in that uh, environment, what we are attempting to do is to uh, let people see the process that they've gone through and to uh, make sense out of how they got the way they were. And begin to unravel that to where they can begin to see uh, how they can get to where they want to go. But right. you can't get to where you want to go from where you've been. You've got to actually stop and recognize and, and break down how that process unfolded so that you can begin to recreate and redesign another process for yourself. And there, there, there are several elements to that which we can talk about uh, as we go on this call. Well, what are those elements? Well, one of the things that I think... Uh, most people grew up in, in the world, uh, as I did, is to get a good education and learn how to present yourself in uh, a job setting or to whomever you want to be involved with and uh, begin to learn the rules of that game and sit in and, uh, and show that you know all the right answers of that game and then you uh, move up the ladder and uh, you get yourself some external motivators and people to motivate you, hype you up, and uh, you uh, move along the track in that way or climb the ladder in that way. Uh, there's nothing really wrong with that, per se, but it just doesn't take you to the higher level of who you could really be. So what we do is we work with people on what is it that moves them and drives them and inspires them at a deep level, even though we don't have them necessarily put that in the flame of their company just yet. We just, first of all, right. want them to get in touch with what's authentic for them. 
And uh, we then begin to put that into uh, what would be a vision that uh, would, would be able to uh, occur if you were to follow what actually matters to you. And, and, and what we do is we work with people on some of the rules of behavior rather than rules of a culture that they've grown up in, but rules of behavior, uh, instead of some principles to live by, and uh, get really in touch with what are some of their limits and their own limiting beliefs and limiting uh, thoughts that have uh, sabotaged them uh, up to this point in their lives so they can actually turn that around. And one of the really key things that we're working with people is, is on creativity and self-expression uh, so they can bring themselves out and bring themselves to the foreground in a lot more powerful way and, and continue to, to search and continue to be in, a, in an inquiry and challenge the status quo rather than uh, fitting into tradition. So there are some of the things that we work with and we can get into more details about some of those as, as we uh, unfold this conversation. Well, you know, that is fascinating that you, you look at things like um, not only principles to live by, you know, so which is really, you know, what matters to me as a person, and then also the limiting beliefs. You know, we, um, we've heard for many years that we all have beliefs that get in our way, and, you know, we, we need to identify those and then just get rid of them. Uh, just tell them, tell the beliefs we don't need them, right? You know? And what, what I've, what, right, what I have found and what people um, tell me is that those limiting beliefs, they have a pretty long shelf life. It is tough to get rid of them. So what's the answer to that? You're right. Uh, some of those beliefs have been with us for 30 years, 20 years, uh, 40 years, depending on how old you are. And they actually have become uh, your definition of yourself to a great degree. And a lot of people don't want to let go of some of those beliefs because it gives them stability and it gives them a sense of identity and belonging. Uh, so what we're not saying is that you can just throw away your beliefs and, and operate beliefless. Uh, you are going to have some kind of beliefs, uh, and you really need to have some kind of beliefs. You, you need to have a foundation. But what most people have not done is check into what are some alternatives that they can have. And once you see an alternative uh, route to something or an alternative way to do something, it's much easier, then it's more attractive for you to begin to practice that. And as you begin to practice something, the things that, uh, uh, that used to overcome you uh, have less and less impact on you. So uh, you can't just get rid of things without having something to replace it with. What's an example of a common belief that um, you think you see, you see a lot and that challenges people? You know, it's not a common belief that people have that people can get rid of easily, but what, what's one of them that many people would recognize in themselves, but it's a challenge to move it away? I would say that some of the fundamental beliefs that people have, they don't articulate them, they don't say them out loud, but actually operate like an operating system on a computer. Right, right. Uh, they operate in a, ba in a background. Uh, some of the beliefs are things like, uh, I'm not enough. Uh, I don't matter. 
I can't do it. Things like that. Those are very limiting. Now, they play out on different stages of a person's life, but they don't actually say those. But I think uh, many people operate with a silent a voice or silence here inside that they may not be enough. Or what if I went to uh, follow my dreams and I can't do it? Or what if I went for what I really wanted and, and I'm not enough to do that? Right. And uh, I think a lot of people uh, fear that all the time and they give their lives uh, over to uh, their doubts and their self uh self-deprecating feelings and thoughts, and other people who feel those kinds of thoughts maybe let other people leave them or they give their uh, power to other people and live their lives out of other people's approval needs, and that leads them to trying to live with an image of presenting themselves in such a way that people approve of it. And they give a lot of their power and a lot of their zest and enthusiasm away to that. So what we want to do is begin to get up underneath all of those and see uh, where all of that is coming from and, and, and look underneath all of that and see the consequences of that and begin to give people some experiences. That's why we do experiential training, so that we give people some experiences, some simulations, where they can begin to validate some of the things that really are magnificent about them, where they can begin to empower themselves rather than uh, live by those limiting beliefs. You know, as I'm thinking about those that type of belief, the I'm not enough, I don't matter, I can't do it. And I think about leadership and how the subtleties of interaction and communication between leaders and people in their organizations can somehow translate those messages to people who are trying to really do the work. You know, do you see that? Do you run into that when you're working with leaders? Well, it's inevitable, I think, Cheryl, because as we used to say to in raising kids, children live what they learn, and they learn what they live. So as a leader is being in the environment of the people that they're leading, they learn a lot of things by being around that person because it's being modeled. And the leader begins to set up the environment to accommodate their strengths and accommodate their weaknesses. And if a leader has those kinds of feelings or thoughts or doubts, they are going to be content to just operate uh, with those particular uh, thoughts running their lives. They're going to try to compensate for that to some degree, so that they can cope and so that they can uh, be effective. So what they begin to do is develop certain kinds of behavior patterns or certain kinds of systems around them to compensate for those uh, feelings of doubt, those feelings of inadequacy, because it's not uh, acceptable socially acceptable for a leader to reveal those things about themselves. So what they do is they set up systems around them to compensate for it, in which case I would say that those systems are artificial systems. 
Those are not systems that are authentic to the leader's uh, true uh, uh, qualities and, and true uh, attributes. So what we really want to do is to see if we can bring forth more of the true attributes of a leader so they can begin to develop more organic systems that work in concert and collaboration with people rather than relying on artificial systems that are designed to compensate for their own inadequacies. You know, as you say this, I'm wondering if the if if something else isn't also true. And so if if I'm an employee who thinks I'm not enough and I don't matter and my behavior demonstrates that. And as a leader, I look at this person and I think, oh boy, you know, we really need to get on with this. We need to get this project done. And I don't have time to be coaching this person through this. And so I start as the leader filling in the gaps, right? So if you think you're not enough and you don't matter, then I'm going to say, well, okay, fine. I'm going to do the work for you and what does that then reinforce? It reinforces in that employee, I'm not enough and I don't matter. Is that exactly. true? Yeah. Exactly. I think you got you hit the nail on the head. It reinforces to the employee that they don't matter. See, once again, something has been taken away from me. It right. validates what that uh, person already thinks. Now, the problem with the leader is that when they begin to take things away from people, it just puts more on the leader's plate. Right. And the leader then has got to do more and more. And by the time uh, uh, you look up, uh, you've got more on your plate as a leader than even you can do. And then right. it makes the leader less competent. And uh, then what begins to happen is the leader begins to develop uh, resentments and attitudes and, and behaviors that uh, then take a nap on the people around them maybe even take it out on the people at home. Uh, and, and that then makes the leader less effective. And what you begin is a spiral of diminishing returns. And the people in your organization become less self-initiating. They become more dependent, in which you have to then begin to manage them and micromanage them rather than allowing them to soar, allowing them to, uh, to grow and, and and, and use their own uh, strengths and capabilities. You know, so the consequences can be devastating in the long term. Right. For both the leader and for the people. Right, right. You know, this, this makes me think about the whole concept of the law of attraction and how we actually attract to us, you know, a mirror, right? A mirror of who we are and what we believe, and, and it has to be real beliefs. It can't be just an intellectual mantra, right? It has to be a real belief, and so it's like this person is attracting from their leader the exact behavior that they believe. Yes, I think that's an interesting concept, and I have a lot of thoughts about that concept. Uh, I think it's really true that, uh, as they say the old adage, birds of a feather flock together. 
that's I think a little true truth in that. But I think it's a little bit further if you take it a little bit further uh, and break down this whole thing called the law of attraction uh, to down to its basic roots. It really is about cause and effect. Mm. Every cause has an effect, and every effect has a cause. If you begin to show up as a leader, you begin to uh, attract around you people who can get along with that. You begin to attract around you people who match up to that. Let's say that in a principle in the universe is that everything is complete. The universe is whole, and water rises to its own level. If a leader uh, behaves in an authoritative way, what they tend to attract around them are people who are willing to be dictated to. It has to be a match. It has to be a match. Everything is complete. And for a leader who is a lot more uh, passive and and not willing to, to truly lead, but uh, uh, let the people around them uh, take advantage of them, then if you're really passive, you're going to attract around you people who will step into the gap and be a bit more aggressive. So in a, in a way, everything has to match up. And uh, what I'm suggesting is that if you could be uh, whole and, and complete within yourself uh, in such a way that you don't shrink back from what you're capable of, but also at the same time don't have the encouragement to be overly authoritative, what you will find yourself being is much more natural, authentic, and organic, and what you'll also attract around you are people who are willing to be more authentic and organic as well. Everything matches up, that's the way I see it. So in a sense, uh, you attract, uh, uh, to a great degree, uh, that that fills in the blank of who you're not. And uh, if you really are going to be whole and complete, you tend to attract people who are also whole and, and more complete. And, uh, and it all works. That makes a lot of sense. Don't shrink back from what you're capable of. I love that. We have more to talk about with mm-hmm. Ray Blanchard when we come right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. 
Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. Where do you stand with your money? Let me put this question a different way. Where do you think you stand with your money? Managing money effectively can mean wealth, success, and contentment. Not managing the right way can lead to stress, anxiety, and even health problems. To reach your financial goals, tune in to Money, Jobs, Health, and Other Things of Life with host Gordon Bennett. Every day we are faced with choices, and the wrong ones can be hard to correct. Don't make a bad financial choice. Listen every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito and our very special guest, Ray Blanchard, today. So, Ray, we've been talking a lot about leaders and how they engage with uh, people who work with them and around them and about how, you know, different beliefs, limiting beliefs play out, whether they are the, the leaders' limiting beliefs or, you know, their staff's limiting beliefs. How, let's talk a little bit about how the leaders can actually be with their staff. What are behaviors that they can engage in or ways that they can engage their employees so that it does not promote those limiting beliefs, but it actually elevates people? Great question. That's one of the most uh, things. The most important questions that people inquire about when they work with me, because a lot of some of the things we've been talking about uh, are very uh, are powerful, but they go over people's heads to some degree until they're in an environment to really work with us and make sense. So I've narrowed it down to a, like a, a three uh, concepts. I call them the three R's. Not because my name is Ray, but uh, three <laughs> R's. I think <laughs> there are three wisdoms that I think that people need to. Uh, focus on. And one of the uh, R's would be to reframe, and another one is to reinforce, and another one is to reward. To reframe, reinforce, and reward. So uh, talk about reframing. When you have someone in your organization that you need to give some feedback to, or you need to do some course correcting, or need to do some managing, I think you need to frame it in terms of workability versus non-workability, whereas uh, most people uh, who are in traditional management have uh, framed them into right and wrong. So you don't want to reinforce right and wrong and have people feel diminished. You want to look at it in terms of what's workable and what's not workable. And I think that uh, just reframing that helps people a lot. 
and to reinforce people's strength uh, rather than minimizing and criticizing their weaknesses. So, Because what you want to do is to empower people rather than diminish people. So always try to reinforce their strengths and, and uh, get behind what's possible for them and let them see the light and, and, and have a more positive outlook on things. And the third thing is reward. I would reward creativity in people, acknowledge people for their contributions because they really do want to contribute if they're being their best self. So one of the things I tell a lot of the, the companies and leaders that I work with and, and consult with is to identify someone in your company that's done something uh, fantastic or had a great idea uh, on a given week and uh, then publish that inside the company so that they become a hero, become a star for the week. Uh, and if you could do that, uh, people feel rewarded, acknowledged. And I tell you, a little bit of acknowledgement goes a long way. And if people can feel valued, and acknowledged, and if they can live what belief that they have that inspires them, they'll give you their blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, I tell a lot of companies, rather than just hiring people who know how to do a job, right. hire people who believe in some of the things that you believe in, and they will give you their soul. And if you can then just keep things reframed, uh, in a workability fashion and reinforce people's strength and continue to reward the, the greatness in them, I think that helps uh, people develop. And I think you can start to develop yourself an incredible cadre of people around you. So do you think that if someone has a creative idea that actually is a little crazy and may not work, they should still be rewarded for that? I think they... Uh, you want to reward people for who have a creative idea that they have implemented and and showed some great result for the company, or showed great result for your uh, project or vision. So you want to reward people in context of what moves forward, what you all are about. So you want to reward uh-huh. that. But if you have a think tank or you're just having people come up with great ideas, I think you can also reward that. So that would be in a, in a particular context. And, uh, and uh, the other thing that you might want to uh, let them know is uh, I've now research for how that can be workable for us and how it would not work for us. So let's uh, debate that. So I think you have to do it in context. Well, I love the idea of having a think tank internal to organizations. You know, it's amazing to me how many organizations do not even consider this concept. And they expect that all of their great ideas are going to come out of a brainstorming session with people sitting around a table for half an hour in between 90 meetings. And, yeah, that's that. You and I both know that's not going to happen, right? <laughs> and, and so, so when, how have you helped people to develop the concept of think tank inside their organizations? What do organizations need to do? Well, I think there are two things that come to mind really easily. One is that let people give the company and give everybody some uh, feedback on what's working and what's not working. 
and let them write it in if they like to. It, it, at least uh, they don't feel on the spot that they can write it in. And you don't feel like you have to defend everything. If, uh, if they say something that is not uh, savory to you. But let people contribute what they think is working and what's not working and what ideas they have that will work even better and uh, make it uh, non-threatening for people in that on that level. Another way you could do it is to have brainstorming sessions, like a little mastermind sessions. Present uh, 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 where the organization is and where the project is and what are uh, the things that it needs at that point. And let everybody take turns going around putting out a couple of uh, genius ideas and reward those uh, genius ideas that stand out and that the group is willing to take up and actually execute. And uh, everybody gets to put out some ideas, and you get to have a whole group of ideas and, and identify a few that you really want to implement and acknowledge the people for those. That makes so much sense. You know, uh, wouldn't it be nice if leaders could walk around with uh, you on their shoulder? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, 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 I think I that. People say that. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, and, and I think those of us who who do executive coaching and consulting often hear that um, that when when uh, our clients are in front of us, um, things make so much sense, and they go back and they try things, and you know, they work or they don't work, or they kind of work a little bit, and you know, it takes practice and practice, and. Even after lots of practice, when they've gotten good at something, when they move into crisis and things are happening really fast, people revert to old habits and old behavioral habits. What's uh, something that you tell your clients around how to make sure that that doesn't happen? One of the things that uh, people need to keep in mind is that you get to walk the talk. You get to do what you say. You get to be part of what you preach. I I take myself on and have a coach, and I keep myself a coach, someone yeah. I can go to in my life. So yeah. I would suggest that every leader have a coach. Now you got to realize that you don't know everything, and you're not going to know everything at any given moment or given time. And there's always someone out there who has extra eyes and ears for you that can see things differently and help you see things differently. And not always do you follow what they share with you, but occasionally you'll find that they have something innovative and new and uh, another way to do things. So take a coach and have yourself an accountability partner, someone that uh, can keep your feet to the fire and, and keep you growing and keep you moving. I think those are always the, the greatest things that a leader can do, to keep growing, keep learning, and letting people around them see that they are learning as well. And just because you're learning as a leader, you don't have to fear that people will judge you as not knowing everything. I think they will be inspired by the fact that you are continuously learning as well. So we only have a couple of minutes left in the show, Ray, but I want to touch on your newest book that's coming out, um, and you've titled it Consider This. So talk a little bit about that. 
Well, I'm so excited about this. It should be coming out near the end of the year, very the beginning of the year. It is a consciousness movie. It's a, about uh, conscious capital, conscious commerce, and learning to transact with people in a much more partnership-oriented, uh, collaborative way so that it's a we interaction rather than me versus you. And a lot of people who are very uh, skillful at conducting that kind of business worldwide, uh, Jack Canfield and a few other people that you know, are all involved in this movement towards developing our world towards a more conscious uh, interaction with each other. And we want people to consider this as a possibility. Consider some of the ways that we're talking right now as a possibility for not only leading your life, but leading your organization. And if we could do that, it is possible for us to lead the world in which we live. You know, one of the things that occurs uh, uh, to me is that in marketing and pitching your products, uh, most people who are recipients of that marketing are not just interested in you and your dollars and your product being sold. They're interested in and what does it do for the environment? What does it do for them? What does it do for the world in which we live? I think we're uh, evolving a much more conscious audience, and the world is, is looking for that. So you can look at some of the products on my site at rayblanchard.com, and it will be appearing on that site as it's ready for release in uh, the latter part of this year. And if you want to look at more on the answer, which also is starting this conversation, launching this conversation, uh, you can get that at gettheanswer.org, gettheanswer.org. But my site is rayblanchard.com. It's where this new movie will be. So, you know, the opportunity to have you here today, somebody who is so revered in the field of human potential is such a privilege, Ray. We so appreciate that you took the time to be here, to share your voice, to allow our listeners to peek inside kind of what's behind all of this work that many people are talking about, but not everybody really understands the way you do. It has been great to have you with us today on Leading Conversations. We so appreciate you being here. I so appreciate having the opportunity to interact with you, Cheryl. And the work that you're doing makes a huge difference to people in their lives and their organizations. And I hope that all of you uh, continue to tune into what you have to offer. It's committed to creating a better world and the a, a best and most effective leaders uh, possible. So thank you for the work that you're doing too, Cheryl. It's been a great pleasure to be here with you and all of the audience. Oh, thank you, Ray. And remember, everyone, to think big. The world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito.
Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.